Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Sensible Sunderland. Oh, this morning you could call us sad, frustrated, angry, benevolent, miserable Sunderland. Um, we we deliberately chose not to record last night because we wanted to try and at least let emotions settle after Sunderland's uh, 2-1 defeat at the hands of Birmingham. Uh, lots to talk about, the tri-hume apparent snub of the handshake, uh, the overall performance, which was lacklustre yet again, uh, whether we're better or not under Michael Beale, um, we're not, spoiler. Um, but I'm with Anth and I'm with Mark this morning. Lee couldn't join us because he's having a frontal lobotomy. We hope he comes back more intelligent. Um, Rafellas, let's just jump in. What are your initial thoughts after yesterday? Just Groundhog Day again, isn't it? Explain. So in the 45 minutes of just absolute garbage. It wasn't just flat, was it? I know there's a lot of people have said, well, the first half performance was was okay, it was all right. I'm not that inclined to agree, actually. I thought the first half we were... It's exactly like Ant said uh, during the preview for the Huddersfield game. You can never see Sunderland swashbuckling their way to a victory. You can see them maybe getting the win by hook or by crook, by an ugly goal, a mistake from the opposition. That's what happened in the first half. We didn't look like scoring until Birmingham obviously made that mistake and Jack Clark capitalised. No, I think we're okay in the first half, but I think it, um, the fact that Birmingham were really, really bad, I think made us look better than we actually were. Um, yeah. Obviously, Clark jumped onto, a, jumped onto a mistake at the back and, and got the goal, but other than that, there wasn't much wasn't much happening. Obviously, burst off, missed a chance. Uh, Mundell was unlucky with one. But, but other than that, it was, it was an okay performance. Um, but let's say made, made better by Birmingham being really, really bad. Um, and then obviously setting off, as, as we know, as, as we'll come on now, it was just absolute garbage. I know a goal's a goal and they all count, but I found myself a couple of times this season, I think a lot of us have to be fair, like it's great that Jack Clark is scoring as many as he is, but there's part of me at the back of my mind every time I'm just thinking, oh, nah, but eventually we are in the summer going to get to a point where we're not going to have Jack Clark anymore. And if you take Jack Clark out of this team, where are the goals or the assists or just any degree of quality going to come from like it's frightening to think about well they're not there at all are they that's that's the trouble I mean Burstall missed well I'll, I'll give Burstall the benefit of the doubt where the Birmingham defender did get a tiniest of touches on the ball which I mean it did enough to put Burstall off so he skied it but although the Mundell looked bright I thought he was actually the the sort of the sticking point for me, he he was actually the one who, stu- who stood out a little bit. He looked quite good, looked sharp. He looked keen to cement his place in the side. Yeah. Um, after the game yesterday, Bale confirmed that Roberts is out for another four to five weeks. So that that's Mundell, that's Mundell playing every week now. Yeah, I'd, I think I'd obviously rather have him than Barr. Like, he just looks a lot more direct. And like mm-hmm. Barr does, but the only reason Barr looks direct is because he, he doesn't quite know what he's going to do until 10 seconds after he's already done it. Um, <laughs> Bar to me looks like a Jack Russell chasing a rat on ice. He's just <laughs> chaos, just total chaos. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, first off, Clark, what a beautifully taken goal, by the way. When he first hit it, I thought, oh, that's going wide. And then a curl back in beautifully. That was a proper Premier League finish, that. Yeah, it reminded me, he got one similar last year in the Cup against Fulham away when we yes, drew ones each. Did. It was very similar to that. So, yeah, just, you know, great composure on it because. 
I think anyone else on the pitch, they might have just slashed at that a little bit. Um, so well, I look, just look, look, look at Bellingham in the second half. Uh, exactly. I thought he was all right first half. Mind Job, like I've, I don't want to say I've been critical of Job because I like I understand he's very very young and like I said on last week's podcast, he's just not getting the support of the players around him that he needs at this stage in his career. Um, but I thought he looked noticeably better in the first half yesterday. He looked, I think the whole team looked just a little bit more urgent. But then part of me was thinking, is that just in comparison to Wednesday where it was just like so lacklustre? But I think the first half was class. Do you think that they looked any more energetic to the point where they would have won the game though? No, no. And that's what I mean about like not being convincing because it's like, we might have periods on in games where we're on top, but you always know like it's a, you know, it's, it's just like a fleeting 10, 15 minutes. And like that happens in a lot of games, like a lot of clubs, like there's no team going to be good for like 90 minutes. I get that. But it's just to me, it kind of feels like it's kind of a bit of a fluke sometimes when we're on, when we're on top in games because there's no real quality there to like the overall end product. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that, that was my big worry. So even when it was 1-0, we're playing relatively well. I don't know again whether it's just like the um, pessimism that's crept in over the last couple of months, but like I was just thinking, like it's not going to last. This once Birmingham get one, they'll get another, and proven right, really. Yeah, so yeah, I, I honestly could not believe we lost that game yesterday. Birmingham were that bad, and I, I think it was like it was an okay first half. There was nobody was like really poor. I don't think, but um, Birmingham were absolute garbage. I couldn't believe how bad they actually were. Um, and I was the, got to half time. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna win this comfortably because I, I just couldn't see Birmingham. Birmingham scoring and then we came out and performed like that in the second half um, I, like I said first half was, was okay um, I think once Birmingham got the, Birmingham got their equaliser mark I texted in the group and said you know I don't think Sunderland have got the resilience to withstand this sort of pressure all the way through and for, for maybe it's a five minute period we we sort of looked a bit revitalised and like we might go and get the winner etc but then we did succumb to that pressure and, and Birmingham rightly, to be honest, beat us. I, 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 were we worse than Birmingham? We must have been, obviously, because we lost, but were Birmingham a good value for that three points? Mm, also, maybe not. I just, what I, stuck I out to me... Winners. I think they would deserve winners personally. Like They wanted it more. They, they they did want it more, mind. They Obviously, they had like a full house. They made a big deal about this being, um, you know, we're going to make it a cauldron, etc. Um what I, I will say is they made, trying to make it more than it was, weren't they? So yeah, they they were one yesterday, just the, the the way they were trying to force something. And I, I get that they were saying things like we it's not just because it's Sunderland, like if we were playing Rotherham or if we were playing whoever else, it would have been the same. It's like, well, why hasn't it been then? Do you know what I mean? You don't yeah. put those sort yeah. of comments. Their their owner put out the video after the appointed Mowbray and signed Pritchard saying right let's sell out St Andrews you want to get his behind we've reopened all the ground and stuff because their ground's been closed for half a season so they, they were, that was their whole thing right and Sunderland seemed like the perfect fixture because there was like a little bit of emotion there um, yeah. through Mowbray and Pritchard so they capitalised on that obviously um, what annoys me is whenever we sort of sell out and it's a big game and everything's like lined up in the stars for Sunderland to run out winners we always get pissed on and it upset me that we couldn't piss on Birmingham yesterday and spoil their day out. Well, I still think, you know, Birmingham are guilty of the same thing. Like, I, I get what you mean, because I always feel like like when we get a big crowd or when we sell out, there's always a, a thing, and I, we all feel it where we go, like, oh, big crowd. Like, we we, we do always seem to mess up in, in these sort of situations. Um, but, like, I feel like 
Birmingham when they were saying things like, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna make it a cauldron," like as if they were fucking Galatasaray for the day. Um, they kept on like making reference to that, and I kept on thinking, "Why? It'll be the same as at our ground. You'll get people who don't normally go who will make a noise for five ten minutes. Then there'll be a couple of misplaced passes, and it'll just go back to silence." And to be fair, they were quiet. I think how much they bigged it up I felt like they were very quiet uh, obviously they, they got loud when they scored but like that's that's obviously going to happen um, the only difference is as to why they didn't get pissed on is because they were playing us and like we're just notoriously soft the reason we never capitalise on a full house is because we can't play Sunderland and make it count do you know what I mean that's what it is I was thinking about the softness in, in in the middle, and obviously you mentioned about Joe earlier on about having no support. For me, I, I don't know if it sounds a little bit controversial, but I would stick O nine in defensive midfield, stick him yeah, there, and then mm-hmm. drop one of drop one of Edward or Bellingham. I and, I agree. And then I, further I, forward because we we need a bit of a bit of tenacity in midfield, and we have to be just don't have it. Agreed. Sales good enough now to, to uh, play at centre back. Yeah, I'll move one iron up and just have a bit of bite in the middle because I think you'd bring, I think you'd get the best out of Bellingham and um, and Dan Neil because for me, yeah. when he's out the team for a little bit because he's just not doing it at the moment. I agree. I think it, I tweeted yesterday that it might be an unpopular opinion, but it's time to drop Equa. We know he's capable of doing so much, but he just doesn't do it. He is lazy. He's lackadaisical. He wants too much time on the ball. He's not nasty enough. He, he can't cross a ball. Um, his set pieces well. yesterday were diabolical. Yeah, his touch as well. His first touch is terrible. Like, it was bad when he first came. And then, remember that, like, playoff run Equa, where he, like, morphed into, like, a prime Michael Essien for, like, a couple of weeks. Yeah. And he was just unplayable. <laughs> that's that's mm-hmm. why I think why we're all so frustrated, because we know, like, deep down, that that like that level of players there. Um, but I, I, just, I just think, like, I agree with maybe pushing 0-9 up for a bit just to change it a little bit, but... I think what hasn't helped us yesterday is the fact that now uh, Dan Ballard's going to miss two games, isn't he? So yeah, I think as is Hume. sealed, sealed. Yeah, with Hume, I see it will come in. Hume as well. Yeah, I, I think it's important to talk about. You know, obviously the game itself. Looking at the second half, um, the goals we conceded were were desperate again. I thought we switched off. Pat, we switched off. Yeah, again. we did it, exactly the same as Huddersfield as Plymouth. Just totally. Just this lapse of concentration, I don't think you can put it down entirely to just being a young team. That is, that's a mentality slash coaching issue, mind. Yeah, uh huh. Because I mean, it, it literally all it takes is it's happened once and twice already. Just make sure that's in the mind before they go out. Just make sure, like that, should be ringing in every player's ears. Like, do not switch off. Do not switch off. Like it's a given. But we just seem to make the same mistakes week after week after week. And yeah, when it happens continuously, that is 100% a coaching issue. One th- one thing I'd like to just cover a little bit before we start analysing Michael Bale, which will be the majority of this podcast because everybody's sick of the back teeth. I just want to mention Anthony Patterson. What do we think? Because there's just that little bit of pressure mounting now where there's been a few mistakes racking up of late. And he's a young lad, he's a young keeper, he's a local lad. So does he get a little bit of leeway because of that? Or are we at the point now where Anthony Patterson should maybe drop out of the team? I don't agree with that personally. I think you, I you stick with your goalkeeper no matter what. But on, on just looking at Twitter, and I know the minority tend to be pretty vocal, but there's a few calling for Patterson to be dropped. Yeah, I know you said last week uh, you felt he was very um, responsible for that. Plymouth goal because he just didn't get back on his line quick enough. Um, I think we say every week his distribution's really poor. 
And I thought yesterday for the second goal, especially, could he have been a little bit quicker to get to that ball? Um, so yeah, I don't. I, again, I agree with Dan. I don't think we should be dropping keepers halfway through the season unless they've done something absolutely calamitous. Um, and it's every single week. I don't think he's quite at that level. But I would personally give him at the end of the season and then make a judgment call: is is this lad good enough to be our number one if we do want to keep going forward? Um, but I think that's the problem as well when you've got local lads. There's always that sentiment, isn't there? And I think sometimes they get longer than they should just based on the fact that they are local and everybody really wants them to do well. Uh, I, I agree. He does get a bit leeway, but I, I do think he's a, generally a, really good, a good goalkeeper. I think we need to be careful as supporters as well about just criticising and criticising players because they are all young kids. And at some point, they're going to come really good. You know, they are going to become really yeah. good players, I think. So mm-hmm. I don't want to keep battering them. Obviously, Bellingham, I think, gets gets a bit, especially of you, Dan, which um, which I think is a bit harsh because he's only 18. We need to remember that. Do you know what I mean? And he's, he's obviously going to be, he's naturally going to be compared to his brother. He was on a, just on a different planet than most most 20-year-olds. So, um, But Pato, I think I think he could have done better for the first goal. Definitely parried it out in the middle of the, basically around the penalty spot, I think, and sort of allowed the attack to stay alive. Um, and he, he hasn't been good the last last three or four games, I would say. But then at the same time, he's been generally quite good all season, and he's been really. I think he's been generally good since he came in the team, really. So I don't want to bash him too much. I, I think the players are getting away with it a little bit at the moment, and they're not getting as much um, as much hassle as they maybe maybe would be if we had a good manager in place. Obviously, Bale's getting the vast majority of the stick at the moment, and I think he, he's naturally going to. I think until he inevitably goes, which which I think he will at some point, um, hopefully before the end of the season. Maybe that's why Dan is so anti-Joe Bellingham, because he knows what it's like when you live in the shadow of your older brother, who's just much better and also <laughs> much more successful than you. For those of you who don't know, Dan and Mark are brothers. So, Well, my dad tells us we are. I'm disinclined to agree. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think my criticism for Joe Bellingham, a lot of it comes from how he's handled, really. I, I don't think he offers a lot, to be honest. I know he, he, he wants to be a, a box-to-box midfielder, and you see flashes of it again, but I just think he's in that team constantly. The lad never gets a break, and that leads to mistakes and overthinking. And you can see yeah. when he's tired, and you've seen that chance in the second half yesterday. All you had to do was slip Clark in or take a shot, and it's likely that we're running away with that game. So I, you can't discount individual mistakes altogether, albeit he is only 18 years old. To me, I look at that bench, and you look at the likes of Ashish, and then you must be thinking, he must sit and think, what do I have to do to get him on this side? Well, I, I think, think, I think it's been a falling out with Bale there, though, because it was a Bale's first game when Achish, um he fouled someone on there. Yeah, it was that second one, wasn't away, it? Away, and he scored, away, Bale, scored from the free kick. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's been a falling out there, or, or, or Bale's obviously using his, his great charms and just sticking them on the bench, isn't he? Because um, there's, there's definitely something going on there. Yeah, but to me though, Dan, like I, I get what you say about Bellingham because I think there are times where he, he doesn't really offer much. Um, but that again, I I don't see that being a problem with Bellingham. I just think that's just the way he's managed, and again, that comes down to coaching and and managers and and whoever else. Um, and you're saying as well, Mark, about um the players getting away with it a little bit. I think the reason there's such like an anti Michael Bale sentiment, uh, from like from me personally, I think it's just because we know how good these players can be. Like, players don't just become bad players overnight. And I think the reason we've seen that dip in form, we have to attribute it down to coaching. Like, because we'll get on to in greater detail, but you just you just get the impression you've had it since, I've had it since day one, where 
he's just with Tony Mowbray. You could see from like the videos the club used to post, like every week there was a, there was a like a good vibe around the place. Like you could tell everyone was like everyone was mates, everyone was having a good time. They were just like young lads enjoying themselves, and I think that created the freedom to, for them to play and be as good as they were. Whereas now I feel like the, we've regressed. It's as if like we're playing with shackles on at the minute because like there just doesn't seem to be that warmth there, and that was you know personified yesterday with the whole handshake gate with uh try Hume. well let's let's jump on to michael bale um and i'll just caveat this topic of discussion by saying we sacked tony mowry who took over at birmingham we appointed michael bale who inherited a far greater crop of players at sunderland than what tony mowry did at birmingham we then yesterday lost to tony mowry's birmingham so let's discuss michael bale where the club is and what the club should do and I'll just throw a grenade in there and say that Michael Bale has been inherently the wrong appointment as the fans cried out for before the appointment was even made. The fans were begging the club, not Michael Bale. Do not appoint Michael Bale. They appointed him. And this is where we find ourselves sitting in 10th, four points outside the playoffs. I get the club not bowing to fan pressure all the time because they, they simply can't do that. Like if I worked for the club, I'm not going to lie, part of me would be like, Oh shut up, man! Like in a way, I'd be like, "Oh shut up!" Like let let us like let us actually do what we think's right. But I feel with Michael Bale, the 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 noise, the outside noise, as they've called it, was was that unanimous in the fact that we didn't want him, even if in your heart of hearts you felt it was the best decision in the world. You would have to have looked at the what the fan response was and thought, "Well, actually, this isn't going to go great," simply because of the atmosphere it's going to create. And that's that's the problem that we're dealing with at the minute. Everything about the club now is just so negative. And it's like really sad because I was like working out in my head. I was like, when did it all go wrong? And I was actually shocked when I was like a couple of weeks before the Newcastle game, say, well, before the draw, which would have been like sort of mid-November. Everything seemed all right. We were still in that same mindset we had last season where even if we lost a game, we were a bit like, oh, why we've lost, but we played all right. And like now, it just seems like so long ago. So I was genuinely quite shocked at how quickly it's gone sour. But I put something on Twitter yesterday, um, basically saying like it's it's actually spectacular how much she seems to have changed the vibe around the club in such a short space of time. And I had a few Rangers fans comment back and be like, he's done exactly with you what he's done with Rangers. And what was that? Just totally alienate the, the fan base and just take away any kind of good feeling and just just make it a, a toxic place like they went from obviously they had that good run under Gerard and then Van Broncos came in I Van Broncos got sacked in the end but he still gave them that like European run and you still felt like Rangers were a club that were like on the up and then Michael Bales came in with his ego tried to reinvent the wheel alienated loads of people and just being a, generally just not a nice person to have around the club and we all kind of expected that to happen when he came in. So that's what makes it more annoying. It's like kind of we're being proven right and it didn't have to go this way if the club had just kind of listened and made a, a more savvy decision. They're going to have to take it on the chin at some point because, I mean, the the big thing for me is I think personality-wise, look, we, we don't like him. I think the consensus is he's a bell end, and I think we can all probably agree on that. But I think fundamentally when it comes down to... to sort of stats that that's that's what's really going to hit home with, with the club 
I was I was looking um, this morning actually that Michael Michael Graham I think he's Captain Fish Pace Dan on Twitter is that right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he put some stats out basically. So before bail, we had a win percentage of forty five percent. We're now down to thirty six percent under bail. So goals per game have gone from one point four five down to one point one eight. Conceded per game is one point zero nine, and both before and after bail. So that that hasn't changed at all. And points per game have dropped from one point five to one point two seven. So across the board, we're worse off with Michael Bale. Mm-hmm. And that, that mm-hmm. that's really what's got to hit home with Speakman and with Dreyfus, because obviously I, I agree with them taking the, to a point taking the fans' views out of it a little bit, because they have got to be called and run the club as a business rather than what the fans want, which is obviously, you know, we're, we're led by emotion most of the time. But when you look at those stats, they're totally unacceptable. Um, I, I, I don't know how much longer it can last, or, or are they just going to try and front it out and just give them time? To see if he can improve it and, and 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 sort of prove prove the fans wrong, which I, which I hope they don't do. To me, though, I think he's, I think he has had time. It, it feels like at the start we were understandably other other clubs fans were kind of looking at it and thinking, well, he's been there five minutes. Like some of the fans are being a bit harsh. Give him a chance. Yeah, and like I was very very critical of him from the start, but part of us was thinking, well, they are you know they are kind of right. Like let's let's give him a chance. And he, he has had that chance. He did have those, obviously, those couple of home wins where he thought, all right, this is might be something to build on. But the fact he hasn't been able to capitalise on that when we've played two very poor sides in a week, I it was away from home, but you'd still be beating those two sides, um, you know, if you had anything to build on. And, like, he's at that point now where he's he's had his chance as far as I'm concerned. Like, especially now the way football is, like, it used to be a manager getting a chance was like a season and a half. Whereas now it is literally just of how quick football moves. It is literally like ten games, and I, I, well, I don't is, think there's was, anything wrong with getting rid now. No, nah, the thing is, he was brought in to improve us, and in, in two months, he's, he's taken us backwards. So, so he's failing. Do you know what I mean? And and, and the club need to just take it on the chin for me and just just get shot of him, give it a dodge till the end of the season. Yeah, it and is. What... It is totally undeniable that we've gone backwards since Tony Mowbray left, and it was it was probably I'm like. 90% certain it was probably the right thing to let Tony Mowbray go at the time the club did. And where they've gone wrong is appointing Michael Bale. He, he, I just can't see any game plan, any improvement. I mean, I think the one thing that's changed is he's, he's had some media training because his first few press conference, he was just this arrogant LinkedIn self-serving muppet. And now he like, he gives a bit of praise to the fans and he's a bit more sort of, uh, nah. what's the word? He's a bit more modest. But that's now, the only change I can see. See, I think he's still rubbish. I mean, even after Wednesday where he came out and said, like, we're never going to be a, a type of team that blows teams away. It was Moyes-esque, like, that one. Yeah, and it's like, hang on. But this very team was literally blowing teams away at the start of the season last beat, season. Beat so that with five out. Yeah, he's doing that thing that Rooney did. And that was another thing. Like, this felt like a very Rooney-esque appointment. Like when Birmingham got Rooney and it was like, well, you've literally, you've, you've downgraded there massively. And he's came in and he's tried to like spout this rhetoric of like as if we were a really poor side when he first came in and it's a slow build and we've got to just be patient. And it's like, well, hang on, no. You had like a ready-made playoff level team and you've took them backwards. Stop trying to like stop insulting our intelligence and trying to tell us that like we need to be patient. Like you've came in and you've made this markably worse. And all you're doing, it's not to protect them. You're not playing down their ability to try and protect them as players. You're doing it to cover your own failures. And he's just, 
such an unlikable bloke. Like I feel like I, I'm just saying the same thing over and over again. But I just I just hate the bloke, mate. I'm not a fan at all. No, I think we're the same, man. He's he's, he's just a, he's a chancer for me. He's just a total yeah, chancer. Totally. He, he did already right QPR. He got to jump up the Rangers. I mean, how would you how would you balls the Rangers job up? Yeah, we could, we won, honestly um, we went into we go into Rangers tomorrow, right? We'd win we'd win the Scottish treble. We would. We went into Rangers tomorrow. I mean, Gerard, look look at the job Gerard did. And now, he, now he's out in Saudi. Do you know what I mean? No one will touch yeah. him in England now. Do you know what I mean? They, he, he took the mitten in with Rangers. I, the, uh, I, I just don't know why the alarm bells weren't ringing for, for Spima. I, I, I really don't understand the appointment. And we were all warned as well. Like, there was people who would say, like, people like within football were saying, the thing is with Michael Beale, like, because people were asking, like, how is he getting these jobs? And people were saying, he interviews really well. Like, he comes across really well in interviews. But, like, in any job, I could go into an interview tomorrow and sell myself and be like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm great. I'm really competent. I'm really good at timekeeping. You know, I don't steal things from the workplace. I am none of those things. Do you know what I mean? But, like, that's <laughs> the thing with Michael Bale. No, just for legal reasons, I, I, that was a joke. But, you know, like, he just... You had, I think the club had to be more savvy and just think like, I okay, might have came across really well, but like, look at his record. Like, look at the most telling thing as well is look at what other fans who he's managed their clubs before. Look at what they're saying about them. Like, I know none of us wanted Mowbray or really wanted Alex Neil when they were first appointed, but at least the fans of their clubs were able to come forward and say, look, he might be underwhelming, but he's he'll do this, this, and this, and he will leave you in a better position. And like, that speaks volumes. Whereas you look at you know QPR. Um, Rangers and wherever else he's been, they've, they've all said the same thing. Just like he's an absolute chancer. You can see, as you can see by his interviews and stuff, just the, the way he carries himself. He's like, it, it's all just kind of on a whim, isn't it? He strikes. He's like Del Boy without the personality. Yeah, he's well, he's he's one of those, and this is the thing. I, I know you can't generalize everybody because, like, Mourinho is one of the like greatest managers that's ever lived, and he didn't really have much of a football career. Like Arsene Wenger's the same, um, Jurgen Klopp. But there's there's something about people who I think have never been managers, like they come in with a massive chip on the shoulder, um, mm-hmm. and it's as if they need to be seen to prove. Like I know you don't think much of me because you don't really respect us because I wasn't a player. So I'm going to show you like how evolutionary I am in me in me approach to football and me tactics and they kind of try too hard a little bit to get their point across and like I mean and he, he'd spouted some bullshit about uh, the fans need to respect my journey I've been to a lot of clubs in the mate who the fuck do you think you are mate you you were a coach for Liverpool's under 11s or something you don't you don't five minutes at Chelsea you managed to get the QER job jump ship as soon as Rangers offer it you're bombed you went out to work Sunderland took you on the cheap you're bombed now it, it, we are. It's just a ticking clock. We're just waiting for for this guy to be sacked. I don't think the club are going to do it before the summer. Mind that. That's my no, opinion. No. I, I think Speakman probably has wrote the season off now. We're four points inside the playoffs. It could still happen. It's not going to, but it could happen. And I think really, Bale. I said last week was a bit of a free hit for the club. And now look where it's got us. You, you've got despondent fans. Let's see what happens at season ticket renewal time, I guess, because, you know, I know people talk on emotion and stuff, but Twitter yesterday was flooded with fans, well, I won't be renewing a phase in charge, blah, blah, blah. Whether that's true or not, that remains to be seen, but it's just all that good feeling that Dreyfus has, has managed to drum up since mm-hmm. he's took over and got us promoted. The Black Cats bar fiasco, the, the rolling the red carpet off of the mags and then appointing Michael Bale to then 
if they don't react to how Michael Bale's performing now as well, that will further erode trust because yeah. you cannot persist with that man in charge. He is he, you, you can't, you can't. Mm-hmm. And as as good as as good as the ownership group have been in terms of football decisions since they've been here, like. I think the reason we're all so up a height about this is because it is like history repeating itself. It's like bad decision after bad decision, which like when you look at them in isolation, you think, oh well, like, you know, we can we can we can change this, we can overcome it. But like we've seen from experience before, like say when we went through how many managers and things like that, or when we like when we were selling bent and letting Jan go and things like that, it's like you're making yourself weaker and ultimately you're going to sleepwalk towards just mediocrity again. And I think that's what's kind of on the back of everybody's mind, isn't it? We've, we've been here before and we, we just, we're, we're so worried that the club in their own like arrogance and hubris aren't going to see that. I think if it keeps going the way it is, I, I, I think it'll go because there might be something contractually where he's got the, I mean, we're not, we're not a daft club, I don't think anymore. But I think um, there might be some contractually where he's got to win some, like have a certain win percentage or you know, be a performance-based contract. So if, if he falls below, we might be able to get rid of him. I um, thought we weren't a daft club. I thought we weren't. And that's what I mean, though. That's what's kind of creeping back into my perception again. I'm thinking like, well, hang on. Like, are we? So, you know, we've I, had I don't for good, one we've minute. Had good, we've had a couple of good transfer windows. Don't get us wrong. But like the last one really... On the balance of what we've seen, I know people are saying, oh, well, they are going to improve as players. Like, we're better in the long run with these players than the ones we've let go. But we, we, we need to see improvement. And, like, it, it just feels like a massive step back this season. So, yeah, I, I don't for one minute think that Bale was the first, club's first choice when they got rid of Morgan. Nah, no, of nah, course. Wasn't, we wanted, we wanted one of those. So, so I don't think we're daft. Um, I don't. I don't think. I, I still don't think that the the run in a daft way. But I just think at that time of the season, they probably didn't expect to get rid of Morgan throughout that season. So they've they've basically been left left with sort of slim pickings. They didn't want to pay a massive massive buyout buyout face for other managers. And having said that, the only other thing they've, they've given, I think Bale's on a two and a half year contract, isn't he? Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Because I thought because yeah. when they got Bale in, I thought, oh well, okay, this is clearly like an end of season thing. And then it was like 2026, and I was like, "Hang on, like, what are we what are we doing? Like, because if if we are going off this five year plan that we've supposedly got, that means that the club is seeing him as being the one to finally get us back in the Premier League, and like that to me, it's kind of me thinking like maybe the judgment, the club's judgment, isn't as good as we thought it was, and that's what's starting to create a little bit of worry in my mind. Like we were stupid enough to appoint Bale." even though all the signs point the road to that being a terrible decision, what's to say if we get rid of Bale, who are they then going to appoint? So, I, I think you might I think you might well go before the summer because I, I think his contract will be heavily in Sunderland's favour. He's come from nowhere. Generally, he hasn't come from a club. He's, he's come from a really sort of low ebb after Rangers. So I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if we get rid of him before before the summer or over the summer and then get whoever we want in, in, the, in the summer because it hasn't worked. Like, I don't think it's ever going to work. So I think the supporters are too... Too negative, too negative about when I don't see it changing. Yeah, um, I, 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 I just don't know. I'm just sick of it. Absolutely yeah. sick of it. I mean, you're on about you're on about um, you know people saying they're not going to renew. Uh, I mean, personally, I probably will still renew personally to be honest next season because um, that's because I'm all bark and no bite when it comes to this sort of thing. But I was like curious myself to see. Um, what the general consensus was in terms of renewals and things like that. 
So I put a poll out last night myself um, just to get an idea of, of what people were thinking. And I'm going to just check it now. So I've said, apologies if some feel it's dramatic, but I think it needs to be known. Will you renew your season ticket next season if Michael Bale is still in charge? So at the minute, we've got 71% saying no. So that's nearly three quarters of the fan base. Uh, and 20% still say yes. Um, and then I have put a another option that says it depends. And then I've asked for a clarification on what it depends on. 9% of people have said it depends, but then they haven't told us what on. <laughs> um so, oh, you're one of those people that you want us to put some comments in your poll. Well, you know, I, I'm, I wasn't normally one of these people, Mark, but this is what I feel Michael Bale has driven me to. I'm, I'm just that angry <laughs> with him as a person. I just, I just. Well, I, th- I think something we, we need to mention as well is uh, we have all seen the gif of Michael Bale ignoring, seemingly ignoring Tri Hume, and he said to BBC Newcastle after the match, um, I didn't say him at a. I've offered me heartfelt apology. He even posted on his, Michael Bale, that is, even posted on his Instagram uh, story saying, I've apologised to try. He gives his everything for this club. It was an honest mistake, blah, blah, blah. Um, call me cynical. Uh, I just don't believe him. I don't want to, I don't want to believe him, by the way, either, because I do have a bit of an agenda now. I don't want to believe the guy because everything about him suggests that's the exact type of thing he would do. Um, and secondly, I just think he's dishonest. Yeah. Well, he, he says he didn't see him. You subbed him off 20 seconds ago. You, you know he's coming off the field. Like, how do you not see him? I don't... He's, what he's trying to do there is he's trying to create this perception of like, oh, I was I was that much engrossed in the, in the game. I was, yeah, I was, you know, I was in the zone and it's like, oh, fuck off, man. Like, you're not Pep Guardiola. What, what was he doing? He wasn't shouting anything. Do you know what I mean? He wasn't shouting any, any advice out of players. He was just he was just stood there with his hands in his pockets. And to be fair, yeah. he turned he turned his head ever so slightly to the left, right? And you can look past people, but there is no way you wouldn't catch that red and white shirt in your peripheral yeah. vision and, and think, oh, I've just took that lad off. Oh, try, come here, lad, well played. Uh-huh. He, did, he, didn't, he didn't offer that because he's an arrogant cunt. Aye. And the thing is, like, Rai Hume as well, especially, I would say is one of our biggest, you know, our biggest tryers no pun intended like do you know what i mean he, he is just he would run through brick walls for this club and like again it might just be me reading too much into it because I'm, I'm that much against bale but like he looked gutted try hume looked absolutely gutted as well and that's the big thing like in terms of managing the players tony mowbray was great last season with his man management of just putting an arm around a player and like you know tony mowbray you, you know yesterday would have given him a cuddle i'm surprised he didn't go over to tony mowbray and like shake his hand after um but I just feel like, what must that signal to you as a player when you know your manager doesn't really have your back like that? Like it just comes across as so just snooty and just awful. Well, this is this is one of the main reasons I'm hoping he goes as soon as possible, basically, because how much damage is he going to do before he goes? Do you know what I mean? How many yeah. people is he going to alienate and and, and yeah. piss off? And like I, when I first saw the the, the try him thing yesterday, I thought, oh, he just he just hasn't seen him. But when when you watch it back, do you know what I mean? Like how how can he not? As you see, he's just taken off the pitch twenty seconds ago. He knows he's walking down the bloody the byline, so he knows he's there. How can he miss a red and white a red, a red and white arm coming out coming out yeah. shaking your hand? Yeah, exactly. I just don't buy it. It's, it's, you that, know, he's talking about his arrogant. I, I just think you know that that sort of behaviour is inexcusable, mind. I and I don't want to sort of That's go down this, the. Isn't it? It's, it is classless, it is classless exactly. Yeah. Like in any I, in any profession, it is just classless what he's done. I, I don't want to go down the road of saying ah, he'll have lost the dressing room this because no, we don't know what the players are thinking, what's being said in the WhatsApp groups, all that sort of thing. But if if 
I was try here, and that, let's just say that was your manager at work. You'd offered a handshake after something, and it's in the ignore you. You'd gone. Uh, imagine what you'd say about your own manager. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be like, well, I don't want to be here anymore. Than if that's how I'm treated by me superiors, like hundred um, percent. And that's like, obviously we're going to lose Clark. And I said at the start of the pod, like that's the big worry for next season. Take Clark out of the team. What have we really got? Dan Neal. I imagine there'll be a lot of interest in him. Ray Hume, I could have still seen him staying, but after yesterday, it does make you think if if that's what he's thinking, like, what's my manager think of his ear? Why, why, why would I want to be here if this is how it is? Like, why would I want to play for Sunderland at the minute? Who would want to play for Sunderland and Michael Bale at the moment? Nobody. Absolutely nobody. I can't, I just can't fathom it. And, you know, the, if you go to, like, the right-wing viewers of the club, let's say, I, I like to think I'm a centrist, but the right-wing supporters will say well it all comes down to money they're not he was a cheap option if you look at everything that's happened at the club it's because there's no ambition Dreyfus doesn't want to spend the money the debt that the club apparently had he was going to write off but he hasn't and and I I struggle to know where to put myself politically I guess because I want to believe that Dreyfus is doing his best and I think Beale has been an uncharacteristically poor decision from Speakman because I think you have to give Speakman credit for the young lads who we've signed and brought yeah. through and now looking to sell on. You can't obviously there's been some flops, but that's always going to happen. Yeah. I don't think it's all doom and gloom that like Dreyfus is just not going to do this, that, and the other. However, I think they have to act in the face of Michael Bale because it's gone spectacularly wrong and you are losing fan favour. Even the most ardent of supporters will say he's not the man the club need to act. Mm-hmm. And part of me, like Speaking from like an ego perspective myself, like part of me, if I was Speakman or in that inner circle at the top of the club, part of me would be thinking like, this prick here is undoing all of our hard work. Like all the bridges we've built and all the good feeling we've built amongst the fans, he's managed to undo that in three months. And like that, that alone is enough to get him out of the club as far as I'm concerned. I'm hoping Speakman's big enough to just just admit, look, it doesn't work out and that, that's fine. I'm sure they had reasons for appointing them, and they've, and they've justified it internally. That again, that's fine. But you know, the, the, how can you, how can you not say that it, it's been an absolute disaster? It's, it, he's just got to go. There's, there's no other, there's no other way around it. I said to you yesterday, Mark, and you rightfully took the piss out of us for it. I said to you, it would never happen, but in my head. Roy Hodgson would be a sensible appointment to the end of the season. <laughs> obviously, obviously, he's not going to come here. It would never happen. But that's what I mean. I was like, I said it, and then I, I like, I said it again. I was like, no, no, he is out. And then I said it again, and I thought, my God, this is what Michael Bale has driven me to. I'm advocating the appointment of fucking Roy Hodgson, one foot in the grave, Roy Hodgson to manage my club because <laughs> I'm uh... not. Before we sign off, I'll tell you a story about Roy Hodgson that's a little bit closer to home. I worked with a lad. Roy Hodgson was his PE teacher at school, obviously a Cockney boy down at Luton. Um, he said, I was playing football once and I, I put a bad ball in. And Roy Hodgson said to me, I tell, you, I tell you what, Jansen, as long as you live, you'll never be a footballer. And I sort of spat back at him and said, well, as long as you live, Mr. Hodgson, you'll never be a football manager. Went on to manage England. I mean, some would say that the lad was right, to be honest. Well, well, he was pretty poor in England. I've got rugby. <laughs> um, have you any closing remarks other than the obvious of bailout, bailout, bailout? Please, for the love of all that is holy, bailout. Give us some sort of positivity, somebody. I mean, 
Who have we got on Saturday? Swansea. I mean, I was reading there. I don't know. I can't remember how they got on yesterday off the top of my head. I think they got beat, didn't they? They were winning 1-0 and they got beat. Um, oh, no, yeah, they did. They lost 2-1 to Ipswich, uh, Broadhead Ipswich. again, and Chaplin. Connor oh, Chaplin. yes, Ipswich, yeah, Ipswich scored first, didn't they? Uh, yeah. um, but they're on a terrible run of form as well, aren't they? So, again, it's just, let's go to Sunderland, lads, and sort that out. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's creeping in my mind as well. But we'll see. We'll probably win again, and then you will get that branch of supporters who were saying things like oh where's the bailout brigade tonight and it's like hang on like come on the problems are still there like he just needs to go so i still positive for next week we still need to like win games i know you're saying the season's a write-off but it's important that we don't like go into next season on such a terrible run that we start next season equally as poorly as well um i think again that depends on who's going to be there come august but i well bear in mind we, we start we will be starting next season very lightly without Clark, without Bollard, potentially without Hume. Um, and, and actually, the list goes on with who we might lose. It depends what the club decide to do in terms of cashing in, etc. Uh, but it, the recruitment's going to have to be better than it has been in the last few windows. Yeah, you never know who we might sign because you know I know as you said, there's been a few flops, but on the whole, I think our signings have been very astute. Yeah, um, been very good. So I've I've got no concerns with the actual recruitment side of it. I, I don't really have that many concerns. Um, but I think the club, even if they are insistent on sticking with his model, I think the club maybe have to look at this season a little bit and go, right, well, exp- lack of experience has cost us massively. So they might have to do something a little bit outside the box in terms of, um, you know, addressing that. But we'll see. We'll see. No, fair comments. I think recruitment's generally been good. I think it's time that we just accept Burstow is not ready for championship football. I just don't know. I don't know why they're, why they're persevering. I heard, I did hear that he was desperate to go back to Chelsea in January, but Chelsea basically don't have space for him. Um, but I, I just don't know why he's still still getting a game. We might as well try and develop Roos and then and Himeya for what for what Burstow brings. Yeah. Um, at least at least they're our players. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, well, maybe um, maybe have a bit of a break from the from the negativity. Maybe they were um, a midweek something like that special or something like that just to try and. <laughs> just to try and make sure every podcast isn't negative, which is <laughs> yeah. uh, which seems to be the way we're going a little bit at the moment. I might well, just watch the nineteen ninety nine season review and just start start reviewing that. To be honest, um, it's a bit of game by game. That's what we'll do. We'll start at the start of the hundred and five point season and just go from there. Eh? We'll get ready on if you can, but you'll have to interpret his slurring. Thank you, everybody, for listening for another episode of Sensible Sunderland. Uh, we're sorry we can't bring you any happiness, but things look a little bit dour at the minute. Uh, let's hope for improvement against Swansea. And, yeah, the likelihood is we'll bring you a midweek special on Sunderland till I die, because that was lots of fail-good stuff. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Sensible SEFC, and we're over on Facebook with Sensible Sunderland too. So give your friends a shout if you think what we've said has any merit and value and is worth listening to. Uh Give us a retweet if you wouldn't mind. Certainly helps the podcast grow. Uh, and do get in touch. Thanks very much for listening. Cheers. Take care, everyone. Cheers. I knew Old Mark wasn't going to do a chat. Thanks. Bye bye. I knew yeah, he wasn't he's going gone to do you know, I was just going to front it out. He's gone from <laughs> speaking to his manager, uh, getting the paints off the bar. Oh, cheers. Cheers, man. Copy a bike card. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, again, I need to pick the Hey, but who gives a damn? Well, toss the header. Goal 